Good morning. Uh, it's my pleasure to introduce Gene Saprell. For those of us that know him, he's a rock. He's been a stable fixture with the Prairie Hill family for years. But perhaps some of you may be new or visiting or even online don't know. So I'd like to share just a little bit about Gene. He's a campus pastor that's been working in church and senior care in the industry for over 19 years with the Presbyterian Homes and Services. He's actually got extensive experience in counseling, preaching, spiritual direction, evangelism, and even Bible studies. So it's a pleasure that he's here, that we can hear his word, especially about Thanksgiving today, about uh, three focuses, personal and corporate Thanksgiving, affirmation of our civic engagement, and then the importance of family uh, devotions. So please join me in welcoming Gene. Grace and peace to you from God our Father and our Lord Jesus Christ. Well, it's great to see you all here today. Um, Friends, later this week we will be celebrating our federal holiday Thanksgiving. The United States is one of the few countries in the world that has a national holiday that has been set aside um, to recognize the provincial care, providential care of God for our nation. How shall we celebrate it? Is it time to withdraw into our families and churches to get away from all the cultural madness? Does the Bible have anything to say about our national life together? What does Jesus really mean in the final great commission that he gave to make disciples of all nations? I want to offer a three-part response to this um, commandment that will include our personal response, our corporate or national response, and our family's response. Let's see if I can get this moving here. When I was a teenager, I decided I wanted to go to the land where Jesus lived. And against my parents' advice, I flew to England, and then I hitchhiked across Europe to Israel. On my way there, I heard about concentration camps in Germany, and I decided to go to the Dachau camp. And it totally shocked me what man had did to man at that camp, and especially what was done to God's chosen people, the Jews. Years later, I would return to Germany to teach English and and then later to work as a missionary in West Berlin. But I still had that question. How could a modern Christian society be led into killing the Jewish people? I learned that Adolf Hitler politically ran as a devout Catholic Christian, and he would preach that the churches should preach the gospel and get people saved Um, in their services, and that they should leave the public life to him and to his government. What did good, pious Lutherans and Catholics, why did they go along with that public proclamation from Adolf Hitler? Our missionary uh, that we support, Reverend Philip Nache, from Nigeria, And he reported that Western missionaries came to Africa and they taught people that the government is from the devil and thus they were 
not instructed on how they should get involved with government leadership. Consequently, tyrants and dictators arise in Christian countries. We are being told that we should keep our religion and our politics separate. Increasingly, it seems, we are being told that by people in authority that we shouldn't bring up our faith anywhere. Now, as Christians, we remember what happens when we don't stand up for what is right. We are bullied, marginalized, ridiculed, persecuted, sometimes martyred. How can we address this weakness in in Christian culture? Well, I think by celebrating the truth that's found in Jesus and in the sacred scriptures. Now, our national holiday, Thanksgiving, I believe we will find meaning with our call to be godly citizens under God Almighty. Christian citizens are in two worlds. Those through these two worlds should never be confused. Faithful citizenship in the kingdom of God makes demands on believers' citizenship, yes, in this country, this community, this state, and in our nation. Jesus said to them, this is Luke 20, Then give to the emperor the things that are the emperor's, and to God the things that are God's. Jesus would pray, I am not asking you to take them out of the world, but I ask you to protect them from the evil one. That's John 17. We are being called to transform the world. Now, given that we will be celebrating Thanksgiving Day, let's look to the Holy Scriptures and their impact on our culture. All right, there we go. Um, I will lift up three dimensions uh, to look at our Thanksgiving Day. Uh, It's being set aside for one, for personal and corporate Thanksgiving, two, for affirming our civic engagement, and three, the role of family devotions. So let's begin with the public reading of Scripture, and I invite you, if you're able, to stand to honor God and His Word with Psalm 100, a psalm of thanksgiving. And I think we have it on this. uh, See if we can, there it is. Shout joyfully to the Lord, all the earth. Serve the Lord with gladness. Come before him with joyful singing. Know that the Lord himself is God. It is he who has made us and not we ourselves. We are his people, the sheep of his pasture. Enter his gates with thanksgiving and his courts with praise. Give thanks to him. Bless his name, for the Lord is good. His loving kindness is everlasting, and his faithfulness to all generations. Amen. You may be seated. What does it mean to engage in personal and corporate thanksgiving? When the pilgrims celebrated the first Thanksgiving, the children were given plates with five kernels of corn to remind them of the difficult year that they had just lived through. It was only after offering prayers of gratitude 
for God's provision that the full meal was served. Now, this might not be a bad custom for the first course of our Thanksgiving meal this Thursday. What about asking each person around the table to talk about five things that he or she is thankful for? What would you say? Most of us need to say thank you. Most especially to say thank you for freedom. Nikita Khrushchev was the premier of the then the most powerful Soviet Union, and he roared defiantly at the citizens of the free world, we will bury you. I understand that Nikita Khrushchev's son was granted citizenship in the United States uh, some years later. We are a blessed people, and that is why we heed the words of Deuteronomy this day, quote, And you shall bless the Lord your God of the good land he's given you. Are you thankful to be thankful? I am. When we remember our debts to those who have gone on before us, we remember that our responsibilities to those who come after us. And the most importantly, we remember our faith in God who has given us every good thing. I like the writing of one of the pilgrims. This is Robert Murray McShane in, England, in Scotland. Quote, My dear flock, I am deeply persuaded that there will be no full, soul-filling, heart-ravishing, heart-satisfying outpouring of the Spirit of God till there be more praise and thanking the Lord. Let me stir up your hearts to praise. He is good. Believers should praise God for what he is in himself. Those who have never seen the Lord cannot praise him. Those who have not come to Christ have never seen the king in his beauty. An unconverted man sees no loveliness in God. Well, he sees the beauty of the blue sky and the glorious sun, the green earth, the sparkling of the stars, the lilies of the field but he sees no beauty in God. He's not seen him, neither known him. Therefore, there is no melody of praise in his heart. When a sinner is brought to Christ, he's brought to the Father. Jesus gave himself for us, quote, that he might bring us to God. Oh, what a sight breaks in upon the soul. The infinite, eternal, unchanging God I know that some of you have been brought to see this sight. Oh, praise him then, for that is who he is. Praise him for his pure, lovely holiness that cannot bear any sin in his sight. Cry like the angels, Holy, 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 Lord God Almighty. What McShane is pointing towards is how we enter into worship through thanksgiving. I so enjoy the worshiping of Reverend Philip Nache, where he begins his worship by lifting up the names of God in praise. We also can enter God's presence through thanksgiving. Now, as Psalm 100 said, enter his gates with thanksgiving and his courts with praise. Give thanks to him. Bless his name. 
The pilgrim congregations in America began with their hands raised and 15 minutes or more of prayer. Typically, when I lead a worship service, after lifting up God's many names and the love of God that we find in the Trinity, I invite and I lead an extended time of quiet prayer in preparation for drawing closer to God. And I use or I teach an acronym, the ACTS, Adoration, Confession, Thanksgiving, and Supplication. In this quiet time, I invite the congregation to examine their hearts and enter into prayer so they can enter into deeper worship. And after this prayer time, I articulate the mystery of the gospel by quoting Isaiah chapter 53, verses 5 and 6, which states, But he was wounded for our transgression, he was crushed for our iniquity, and upon him was the chastisement that brought us peace. With his stripes we are healed. And all we like sheep have gone astray. We've turned every one to his own way. And the Lord has laid on him the iniquity of us all. Now that's a messianic prophecy. It proves that God is sovereign. The, the apostles would reflect on what Jesus accomplished on the cross after he ascended into heaven, and they would write, of course, the New Testament. And they wrote such things as Paul would write, the saying is trustworthy, it deserves full acceptance that Christ Jesus came into the world to save sinners, of whom I am the foremost. And the apostle Peter, he would write, he himself bore our sins in his body on the tree that we might die to sin and live for righteousness. By his wounds, you have been healed. And then the Apostle John adds a clarification. If we say we have no sin, we deceive ourselves. And the truth is not in us. If we confess our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and cleanse us from all unrighteousness. And that's the good news of the gospel. It tells again how Jesus took our sins on his body on the cross, and by placing our faith in him and that finished work, we may be pardoned, redeemed, and forgiven. Messianic prophecies prove that God is sovereign. He knows the future. It also confirms that the Bible is without error. It's profitable for all matters of faith, life, and practice. It reveals that sending Jesus is God the Father's ultimate plan for our redemption. The Bible teaches that we enter into a personal relationship with God by repenting of our sin and placing our faith in Jesus. He is the truth, the life, and the way to God the Father. So let me ask you a rhetorical question. Can we stop our growing at this place, placing our faith in Jesus? Can we avoid now carrying our faith out into the public square? Is that what the, the German Christians succumb to, that temptation? 
Well, let's think about what it means to affirm our faith with civic engagement. Kirk Cameron asserts that the blueprint for America's civic treasure is manifest in the national monuments to the forefathers. A large 1889 structure stands in Plymouth, Massachusetts. It commemorates the Mayflower Pilgrims. Kurt applies it to today. Bring heaven to your community, not just your sin problem. It's not just about getting into heaven. Let's think about how we can get heaven into America. My friend uh, and mentor, Dr. Arthur Rauner, has written on what the pilgrims gave America. That's ahead here. I want to share some of his reflections because they'll help us to see that personal faith can go beyond itself to affect the social structures of our civic life together. So he writes about what happened about 400 years ago. A little ship set sail from the port of Pilmouth, England. Their commitment was to sail on. It was irrevocable. The sea would claim lives before their passage was done. Half of those who would land in December of the year 1620 would die during that winter. It was a brave undertaking. They didn't know the sea. What was beyond the sea was even more unknown. Nothing was certain. Everything was a risk. Yet they all went. They were committed to the journey. They did not turn back. Despite fear, despite death, despite future famine, destiny unknown, they journeyed on. They never returned. But they gave the world America. More than a revolutionary generation that would follow 150 years later, they gave the world America. And they did it by their faith. They did it by their will. They did it by their vision. And they did it by their institutions. They did it by their spirit. That little company America knows as the pilgrims. They were not explorers. They were not fishermen. As some say, they were not entrepreneurs to get rich. They were people of faith, followers of Jesus. They were rebels. They were separatists from the state church of England. They believed in simple worship and radical faith. They were followers of the Bible. They wanted to live the life truly, radically, as they discovered it in the book of the Psalms. They believed God orders the life of human beings, that God is the true ruler of the nations, that God's instrument on earth is the church, must be pure, holy, utterly belonging to him. These young people, they came from across England. Many had escaped to Holland following their persecution by the English government. Eventually, they knew they had to make a break for it, and the new world was their only answer. There they would build what was no longer possible in England, a living church, a church, true love for Jesus and their fellow Christians. And the true church would be the heart of the community of people, 
they would work together, live together in harmony under the hand of God. Quote, we will be, and they said, quoting scripture, a city set upon a hill with the eyes of the world on us. They would create in the wilderness a new kind of human community where the love of God and human relations were ordered by his commandments, and that would dominate. It was a magnificent experiment in living together in human community, in civil society, living by faith in a true and a faithful God. That's what the pilgrims gave America. Do you know that the pilgrims was a church congregation? They left their pastor behind in Scrooby, England. The pilgrims loved the Psalms, as I mentioned. Blessed is the nation whose God is the Lord. That's from Psalm 33. Blessed indeed. This last week, we heard about a trial in Kenosha, Wisconsin, regarding rioting events last summer. Some people want to rebel today, and I believe they are, because they don't like the outcome. How in need is America today of being reminded what brings blessing to a nation, that helps a nation live, that keeps a nation from violence, and that gives a nation hope? When we give thanks Thursday for the debts that we have to the pilgrims, let us remember that they've given us a nation founded under God. Dr. Rauner writes, The pilgrims' gift to civil life, to the town, the commonwealth, the coming nation, was God. It seems simple, I guess, if you're an American. Doesn't every nation have God? Oh, they had state churches in some lands, like England itself, but nowhere was God assumed to be the foundation of the public life in the society. In England, it was depended on the king, so it was royalty. It was human authority. But here were these young separatists saying no to the English crown, no to the English church. They were so deep in league with one another, they shouted, no king but Christ. Only Jesus rules the church. That was their belief. Even the nation kings were ruled by Christ's authority, not by their own, the pilgrims said. The pilgrims were people who believed they must act on their conscience, and so they left their lands under persecution. They dared to build a new life in a new world. It was an experiment in freedom, freedom in the civil life, in the state, and freedom in the religious and organization. Dr. Rauner goes on, their simple church covenant, instead of a creed, gave them the Mayflower Compact. It bound them together in a city, civil body politic. It brought forth the election of John Carver, the first governor in the New World, chosen by election by the people. That became the foundation 150 years later for the Declaration of Independence and the Constitution of the United States of America. And so the pilgrims and the Puritans of the congregational way of, of church life 
inextricably were bound with the beginning history of the American nation. On Sunday, November 22nd, 1620, when the pilgrims reached Plymouth, William Bradford records that they gave thanks for his mercies and his manifold deliverances. Let's not forget the miracle of the Native American Squanto, who was from that very Plymouth area, who spoke English because he was kidnapped and sold into slavery and shipped to Europe and came to England and learned English. It's my understanding he came to faith in God. And he found a way to get back to America. When he got there, he found his community was wiped out with a virus. No one lived there anymore in Plymouth. He went to the neighboring Native Americans and and invited them to come with him to help these new pilgrims that had landed in their land. Of course, that's the foundation of the first Thanksgiving meal. In 1676 was printed the first broadside officially summoning the inhabitants for an observance of Thanksgiving. And then later in 1789, George Washington issued the first Thanksgiving Day proclamation. Why aren't we hearing this story in our public schools, in our social media? The pilgrims sailed across a dangerous ocean without the benefit of a government grant. They built their own housing in freezing weather without the assistance of a public works program. When they fell sick, they didn't look to a government program to take care of them. Even in the face of death, they nurtured a thankful spirit to God. We need to know our Christian history and affirm our ongoing civic engagement with our government and the institutions that support life under God. The third way of applying our faith, going beyond our personal piety and civic engagement, is our family devotions during Thanksgiving Day. Maybe we can move it up one now. I would like to direct your, your attention here to Capital Ministries' website. They've produced a Bible study for government officials. Uh, to change the way that our government is going, it begins with hearts and the hearts of families. So here's an approach you may find helpful uh, spiritually as you gather your family together this Thanksgiving day. A, uh, when you invite your family members, mention that there will be a time for devotions. Dress up for the season being God's spokesman to your family. You may want to offer your devotions after the main meal during the dessert time and kindly suggest the electronics are put off or away. And express your heartfelt gratitude that you can all be together. For the man, praise your wife. Mention several things you like most about her. Reference things that she puts up with. Show gratefulness and express that you do pray for her. Include other family members, asking some to share, especially what they're thankful for. Open the scriptures together. Perhaps prepare copies of Psalm 100 or some other scripture. 
Ask the best reader in the family to read the scripture. Explain the passage and its insights for you. Sing a hymn, perhaps such as Give Thanks. If you can't sing, invite somebody else to lead it. Share your personal testimony. Speak no longer than three minutes. An effective testimony should include these three areas. Your life before receiving Christ. How you received Christ. And then how your life has changed after you've come into a personal relationship with him. The main thing here is to model for your family how they too can receive Christ if they haven't already. Share the gospel. Ask your family members to invite the Lord into their heart. Perhaps in your mind you'll have some scripture. We're right on track here. Um, Not that you'd go through those scriptures with them, but have them embedded in your heart. Um, Significant scriptures that can lead someone to faith in Christ. Pray out loud and invite anyone who would ask Jesus into their heart silently to join you. Lord Jesus, I need you. I realize that I have sinned and fall short of your standard of perfection and am in need of not only a Savior, but a Lord who will always lead me in the right direction. I open the door of my life today And I ask you to come in and begin to change my life for good and your glory. Amen. And close your family time together with prayer. Express appreciation, how much you appreciate them. Allow me now to close by addressing leaders in positions of authority in government, in business, and in the home. May God richly bless you as you lay hold of your spiritual responsibilities that God has called you to. A family devotion is one of the most important functions you will ever perform in this life. Let us pray. O Lord, we are thankful for the Americans' Christian heritage Especially we give thanks for the Pilgrim Church uh, that moved to America in which our founders recognized God as the source of liberty and law. We are thankful for inspiring heroes of our faith, such as Pilgrim William Bradford. May we follow his peacemaking steps with our community here in the Twin Cities. We are thankful for miracles in American history. We remember Squanto in his role in encouraging the faith of the pilgrim settlers. We are thankful for the continual Thanksgiving Day proclamations from George Washington through Abraham Lincoln to our modern presidents. We are thankful for the Bible verses that provide principles, values, and foundations for our civil government our Constitution, and our life together. May we, unlike the Christians in the 1930s and 40s in Germany, never forget that God is sovereign over every area of life 
And he wants his church involved in every area under God. May our nation yet again become the shining city on a hill envisioned by our forefathers. May we be blessed and be a blessing to all the nations of the earth. And most of all, we thank you for Jesus Christ, the giver of all that is good and worthy of thanksgiving. In his holy name we pray. Amen.